Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, have you listened to Dr. Game Show yet? The cult favorite radio show is now part of Earwolf. In each episode, host Joe Firestone and Manola Moreno play listener-created games with their comedian friends and listener Collins. In a recent episode, they had Will Butler from Arcade Fire and his five-year-old son as a guest. They played games like What's Your Primary Utensil, Rad Dad, and Sauce Boss. There's really no way an ad can even express how crazy and funny this show is. You have to hear it, listen, and subscribe to Dr. Game Show on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. And follow Dr. Game Show on Facebook and Twitter so you can participate when they record episodes. Sauce Boss. Rad Dad. Man and Man and Man. Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to James Bonding, I'm Matt. And I'm also Matt. Oh, we have got a treat for you, ladies and gentlemen. Oh boy, this has been... We've had some long time comings before, but this is the longest time coming. Yeah, uh, well, second longest time coming, because once Pierce Brosnan gets on, that'll be the longest time coming. Oh, don't even... Don't well, even. boys, I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much. Now, Mr. Gurley, you apparently have a problem with me. Oh, no. No, no, you, what you've heard is wrong. I think... Someone got our names mixed up. I'm the one who loves the Brosnan films. <laughs> Wait, no. Matt can't stop dishing on it. It's him. my nightmare. Maurice LaMarche, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, uh, thanks guys. Yeah, I've been I've been wanting to do this. I am a fan of the podcast since well, since the, since you guys broke out the uh, the the Spectre the uh, Skyfall episode. Oh, oh yeah. sure. That's and the, I, I discovered I discovered you I said, I need something to listen to while walking the dog. I just acquired this dog, needed a lot of walking. And boom, there you were. And, you know, I clicked on and I was hooked ever since. I went back for all the other shows. Oh. And I do not miss an episode of this. So I'm so I'm very, honored and thrilled to be here. Very well, kind. I hope this is the first of many. You also helped us out with our recent live show, which will be available soon on Stitcher Premium. Use the promo code. Bonding, probably. Oh, just Bond. There you go. Think. That too. Whatever. Try one of those. It's yeah. Bond. I'm a huge fan of the show, <laughs> and I, I, I happen to know. Well, that. likewise, we're big fans of yours, so this has been exciting for us. to. We've talked to you for a while, and it's always been that we were going to do the old Casino Royale, which we still intend to do, but yeah. it just because of our schedules, we haven't even been able to tackle an off off uh, phase movie yet, but we'll get yeah. to that as well. So today we're doing a legit... Bond movie, which you know, uh, this <clears throat> this one also resonates with me a tremendous amount. Um, it's perhaps one of the most legitimate Bond movies. Yeah, and uh, and you know, with a controversial history as well. Yeah, this was the first one I ever went to see by myself. Really? Yeah, because I was thinking about it. I know you always ask your yeah. guests, so I'll just jump right in, please. please. Uh, 
my first Bond film was Dr. No. Wow. Mm-hmm. My dad took me when I was like five years old, which means that it was after its initial release. But when I was a kid, they had these things called second run theaters where they played double features, uh-huh. you know, after a film had been in its initial release. So I saw it on a double feature with my, with my little brother. I was five. And it was built, I think, with North to Alaska. You know, they just throw these things in theaters. To what give. is that? Just like a B movie? Or it was a John Wayne picture oh. with uh, Stuart Granger, and it was a, it was not a western. It was a northern. They're they're Alaska gold miners. Isn't it north to Alaska, the north. rush is on. That's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's the theme song yeah. to the thing. So, uh, and I, I, I just, I remember seeing it and not paying particular attention to it, except for the shower scene. Otherwise, my brother and I were down below the seats and we were like, you know, having our own little, you know, we were having, we did imaginary games and what if we were to go on a spaceship to Mars? And, but every now and again, I'd pop up and they're, oh my gosh, naked people. You know, what year would this have been? This would have been like 63. Oh, so right after. Right after. Yeah. yeah like I said, when it was in second run. Uh, and but, Honor Majesty's Secret Service was the first Bond film I ever took my own money, went downtown, got got in a on a bus at eleven years old with my friend Steve, and we went downtown to see the, on our own the first new James Bond movie, and I'd seen uh, the others on TV, but this was the first theater Bond movie that I ever took myself to. Wow! And was and it, it was it was it was a real cool. Was there an air of disappointment? Yeah, I, that's a good question. I think I was too young to be disappointed because I'd only been fed Sean Connery's Bond in small uh, chunks. Uh-huh. Did you know that it was not going to be Connery when you went? to Yes, the theater? yes, I okay. was. I was aware. I, I was aware. You know, I was reading the papers. You know, when when I was in school, you had to do these things called current events. So I was always in the entertainment pages because that's the <laughs> stuff I could relate to. Television, sure, and and. You know, so I was like, wow, a new James Bond with interesting ears. Yeah. I mean, even his silhouette, they weren't showing you his face. It was like those ears. And I was like, I got to see this guy. And so I I took, I took my, uh, you know, uh, you know, some savings and my dad helped me out. In those days, five bucks got you downtown to the movie, buying popcorn. I think I'm like your third like your third oldest guest that I'm old enough <laughs> to remember back in my day you could do them you could go to a movie for five dollars now you can't even take a piss for five dollars but that so I remember going to that and so he became kind of my my first movie bond in a real movie theater and uh-huh. the, the, the experience kind of washed over me and I've I've gone through a kind of a roller coaster with Lazenby because I started out loving him mm-hmm. as like the first real cinematic bond that I paid attention to. Saw it on TV, went, yeah, he wasn't really that great. He's a little stiff. And rewatching it last night, I and and having watched um, Becoming Bond the night before. Oh wow! I I developed a new respect for him, and I thought I thought he did a pretty terrific job as a, for his entry into the character uh, yeah yeah and i know that we're, this is i don't know if this is going to air before our live one but i know you came to me in the audience and it came down to this picture and another uh in in the in the kind of vote and i picked the other saying that this one is the one everybody says would have been the best bond if only connery were in it right but as i watched it, i went i don't know if connery would have yeah i'm with you on improved that. this picture I wonder. I wonder if any of the other casting would have been different. I.e., would it been would it have been Diana Rigg right. against Sean Connery, or would they have cast someone? And it really matters if else. it's Connery in his prime or Diamonds Are Forever. Connery, I don't think would have worked as well. Well, well he could, probably would have been in between. You know, you, yeah, 
He'd you can been... see his prime fading away, and you yeah. only live twice. Yeah, yeah, but I even would think that the you only live twice, Connery. He's still just kind of phoning it in a little bit. And the one thing you know, you can argue about whether Lazenby is effective. I feel like he's invested in it, you know, and trying. But I'd like to think that if Connery had seen the script again, I'm not yeah, voting that Connery true. should have done this picture. If he'd have seen the script, yeah. you'd go, all right, this is a good one. Yeah, let's let's do this yeah. one. I'll do this. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and and. You know, I don't know. I, 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 I just, but Lazenby's Lazenby has a kind of a, a weird vulnerability that uh-huh. that works for this one story. Yeah, because it's the I think the most human Bond story until Casino Royale. Yeah, the reboot Casino Royale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I for sure agree with that. That is it. You know, it's interesting watching it again now. It's been a few years since I've actually watched it all the way through. And having now, having seen Becoming Bond, the Lazenby documentary, it's on Hulu. If anyone hasn't seen it, you should see it. We should probably do an episode about it eventually. Maybe maybe the next episode should be that. Oh, maybe. Ooh, Matt. What are you, you're adjusting the thermostat and adjusting your body by taking off a sweater? It's a little <laughs> you're warm. You're doing so many things Sorry, right now. it's a little warm. I'm just turning on the fan. Um, but uh, I think there's two ways I look at this. I'm like, oh, it would be great if Connery did another one. But really, I think what would have been great is if Lazenby had done Diamonds Are Forever. Oh, that version of Diamonds Are Forever, something like that. Yeah, I just think. to see what his kind just of to more see what camp his, one what's would his, be like. What's that take? Yeah. What's his take on roaming around Vegas, driving a car on two wheels, flipping it to the other two wheels, fighting in that elevator? Like I would have enjoyed seeing that. There's some stylistic choices in this that are interesting, which we'll get to, I'm sure, but. Uh, I think rather, there's two things. I would. It's very close for me. I think you either have Con. If you give me the choice of either having Connery in this one, or having Lazenby in in, in more. I don't mean Roger Moore. I mean yeah. in more movies. Which which do you choose? I think oh, I think I'd I'd, I'd I think I'd like to have seen Lazenby and Diamonds. Yeah. More than planting Connery yeah. back in. Oh, HMMS, yeah. MSS, which I never thought I'd hear myself say. But upon <laughs> watching it again, I don't know if it would have been as good a, a picture with, with Sean. Not that he doesn't have the right. acting chops. Right. But, I mean, I, I don't know if we're going to go sequentially through the picture, but there's one scene in particular that I couldn't imagine Connery playing well. And that's the scene where the jig is up. He's made his escape. But he's stuck in that village, and the best he can do is a friggin' barn coat. Yeah, and he knows he's fucked. Oh yeah, I yeah. love that moment. Yeah. And that he's is so and he's flimmy. wandering through, and he's hoping the people will protect him. But he's so damn tall and so distinctive looking, they spot him. And he at one point he hunkers down yes. yeah. and sits down. And there's Lazenby does such a terrific job just with this one moment that that, that I, my hat came off to him. He, he looks frightened. He does. He looks yeah. alone. Yeah. And he's like, you can see sitting there going. So this is how it all ends. Yeah. You know, not yeah. in a big death trap, but in a fucking carnival. Yeah. That um, resonated with me this time, too. Yeah. I remember watching that exact moment and thinking, like, he looks afraid and vulnerable, and you wouldn't see that from Connery. No, and another thing is when Blofeld catches him that he's not Hillary Bray because he made a mistake, that's just not a very Connery thing to, to make a mistake like that. You know, he, he just got one thing about the lineage wrong, and that was enough for Blofeld to say, basically, I know you're not Hillary Bray. That was... Well, 
Yeah, except that you know nobody ever takes as good care of your needs as you will. So, so I it, I believe that Blofeld knew that already, and it's you know as obviously Bond is some kind of photographic memory, audiographic memory genius that whatever he hears he remembers. Lepidopter. So, yeah, and, and and he lepidopter. That was that was a beautiful moment, and that was more father and son. Yeah. Than than it was with Connery. I, oh, I enjoyed yeah, yeah, that yeah. too, but. Um, you know, it, it, it's believable that he would make that one mistake as impressive as his knowledge and yeah, his like abilities it. as a mimic, uh, uh, apparently. I know. <laughs> a, you know, I could have been a nightclub entertainer. Look at me do you, Sir Hilary Gray. Right? Well, I see. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Uh, did you know George Baker, by the way, I listened to, uh, I listened to the Q&A. And nice catch on the George Baker. Oh, in I, Claudius? Yes. Oh, yeah. Because I, I love I, Claudius. Oh, yeah. And I, of course, I'm old enough to have seen it in first run. But <laughs> but George Baker, did you know he was up for Bond at one point? I don't think I did. Yeah. Uh, I probably read that at some point because I've gone through all of them. When they, were, but, when they wow. were sort of sniffing around at the beginning of You Only Live Twice, knowing this was oh. going to be Sean's last one. Baker was on the short list, as was Jeremy Brett. Oh, right, right. That's you right. Know, yeah, uh, Sherlock other, Holmes. Yeah, yeah. other <laughs> British actors. So this was sort of his consolation prize. You can, yeah. you know, you'll, you'll get to loop James Bond and yes. be in the picture <laughs> for a few minutes as an older fuddy-duddy. <laughs> you find that all of the runners-up for James Bond usually found themselves to a secondary role in one of the movies, like Julian Glover, or, you know. I think that speaks to... There's a, you know, as the laziness as, of the producers. I don't no, know if it's laziness or a loyalty. Yeah, the loyalty. I think there's a little bit of a loyalty that yeah. I don't know whether it was Saltzman or Broccoli, but I guess it must have been Broccoli because it continued after right. Saltzman's uh, 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 tenure. But I, I kind of like that. And one thing I noticed looking up credits is that everybody knew everybody. You know, they showed up like Maybaum mm-hmm. was writing pictures way before the Bond pictures, and yeah. he worked with uh, who directed. Dr. No and uh, Terrence Young. Terrence Young. They went back to like the 50s, you know, 50s British cinema together. Yeah. It's that thing of, you know, hanging together and, you know, helping your friend and say, hey, I know a guy. Yeah. Yeah. It's been going on for years. It's a small world. But that it's moment. A small island country. Yes, it certainly <laughs> is. It's a small cottage industry. It's a little, little, little you were Irish village. A rich sweaters. man if you were either American or Canadian and living in England at that time, because they would use you over and over as the American As the American. Parts, yeah. Sure. <laughs> well, Lois Maxwell's yeah. a, a Canadian. Right. And there's a 12-year age difference between her and Lazenby that oh, yeah? just felt a little, upon watching it last night, I didn't know, it, it sort of bothered me when I was a kid, because uh-huh. I remember thinking, she looks like a mom... <laughs> he doesn't quite look like a dad. I liked the flip. I mean, usually it's the other way around. True, yeah, yeah in praise of yeah, older I was women. Like, you know what? Go for it, Lois. <laughs> yeah, but what is he? Twenty nine in this movie or thirty? I think he's like thirty, thirty two. Because he, lo- a, you know, a quick just, check. Lovers the, not experts. The sort of smoking and sun you got in those days really it ages did. you. It did. It was the Mad Men era. Yeah, and uh, people just aged differently in those days. Let's see. But he was the—I mean, he was the youngest. Obviously, everybody knows that. But um, lover, not expertise. <laughs> but no, I just—he was twenty-nine when he, they made. He this. was actually twenty-nine. Yeah. So Holy wow. Shit. And Connery, having just departed, was how old? Uh, well, he departed then. Old. No, he, like, he would what? have been like forty, 40 probably. Maybe, yeah. 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 And Lois Maxwell. Was what would have been forty one, mm. which you know, not a horrible, horrible age difference, but it just looked a little strange cinematically. And the 
other the other moment from the picture mm-hmm. where I thought that it did need to be Connery was the the big goodbye at the end. Yeah. I thought, well, they don't have that history. Right, right. He's well. throwing that hat to her only for the second time. And that was their thing. And I, that's where that's the one spot where I went, that yeah. needs to be Sean. Yeah. But that's the only place where I really kind of missed Sean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that little moment in the, in the, in the, in the uh, fair, the other thing that was beautiful about it was I know that you guys have made fun of the song. The, 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 do you know how where Christmas trees are grown? Or whatever the hell it is. Do you know where Santa Claus yeah, comes around? Yeah. Right on, as he's feeling his lowest, right on that moment, he looks down, sees the skates, and the, the lyric of the song, written by the brilliant Hal David, oh, yeah. was, they need friendship and kindness. And it's like he looks up and there's... There she is, and she saves him. And I just that I actually got a little lump yeah. in my throat. And you know that's on purpose at that moment. Peter Hunt is, is so. Yeah, I don't think there's been a more stylized director than Peter Hunt. Maybe Die Another Day for all the wrong reasons, <laughs> right? But, but I mean, it, he is really going for style in this film with the right. crash zoom, some of the slow mo, and it's it's jarring at times. But I find it refreshing for these. Yeah, some know, of the fighting movies. crash zooms that they're doing, I, I found to be a little. It's almost like anime Odd. at times. It's a little off balance. Yeah. It's it's not as precise as say the the, the quick cuts of of uh, that would have been in. Uh, it's also like the the, the first Batman, the first uh, Batman film with uh, Christian Bale. Um, oh yeah, Batman Begins. Yeah, where I found that I was like, show me one shot of this guy fighting right. for real. Right. Instead, it's just yeah. close ups of a fist and a thing. But this was a little more jarring. And uh, I let's just let's sort of jump into when we first see him on that beach. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, so we're to understand that as soon as uh, Blofeld gets away on his little monorail, that Bond has been doing nothing but chasing him Sounds for two like years. It. Yeah, it's crazy. It is. It is crazy that they acknowledge that he's still looking for Blofeld, but then they don't recognize each other. And we've talked about this before. It's because they sh- shot the movies out of order of the books, and they're just kind of who cares, you know, dismissing it. But. Yeah, if he's been looking for him, you do assume that they've had a run-in of some kind, and why they don't recognize each other. Yeah, why did, did they put eyes the on each other in, uh, in in You Only Live, you only live Twice? Yeah, yeah, they yeah. did. Yeah, they're... so but in the books, he would not have seen him prior to this. Yeah, so that's right. why they're just going with what's going on in the books. But in the in the, um, I remember reading somewhere, and again, I hope I'm not manufacturing this memory. I um, do that a lot. We do it yeah. often, but. I remember reading that they were going to do a big sort of reveal of bandages coming off of Bond's face, and he's had his appearance altered, and now he's Lazenby. And oh, that was that was going to be one of the conceits well. of the but film. Okay, they, great. So yeah. I want right. to say they do that in the book, and you only live twice. He yes. he is killed and lives for a while. I think he gets married as well for real to a Japanese woman, and then does have plastic surgery or some kind of change of appearance. I can't remember what Was it, it which, to make him look Japanese. Which makes no, him... it's not that. It's more, uh, I think, just to drop out of it's going been to hide. So at the, bo- at the end of You Only it. Live Twice, the book, doesn't he have a psychotic break and yeah. actually like lives with that woman yeah. as a Japanese and man? And I think he has like amnesia. He doesn't know who he is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, he's been through a lot. Enough. Yeah. This James Bond character. But maybe it's just simply because. Blofeld doesn't have earlobes anymore. That that's like, well, I don't recognize him. I, you know, I always identify people well, by their earlobes. Obviously, you're not Blofeld. Your ears would have lobes. Uh, the um, 
But the first sighting of him in the... So he's in the Aston Martin, pulls off to the side of that, that beautiful Mercury Cougar. Uh, when he fights on the beach, he's throwing punches like... I, I don't know. You can Like tell. a cartoon? Uh, well, like he is like... I think he's really throwing those there's punches. One, there's one punch he does from the water where he... I never have seen someone stand up oh, yeah. so straight and throw his hands so far yeah. in the air. And that combined with those zooms, it does. that's why it feels like anime to me. Yeah. Like it just is so big. And yeah. also, he didn't know how to stage fight. So that's also the problem. You mean because he was just throwing real punches? Yeah. yeah. Didn't, um, didn't, didn't one of those actors get hurt? Yeah. Yeah, in the screen test, yeah. apparently. He's told that story. I don't know. That's his calling card. He right? hadn't started studying with Bruce Lee yet. No, I don't think so. Because <laughs> no, he was he was a yeah. Bruce Lee Ajikundo student yeah. later on, but he threw some decent kicks. I thought, well, he must have some martial arts because yeah. those his kicks weren't half bad. You know what makes his fights look good too is that his tailoring specifically on his clothing is so great and it fits his torso and you just see the physique of this super tall, lean man. Especially when his shirt is wet. I know. With those frills. Oh man, but oh, his body like he's he, I love the way his clothes are tailored in this movie. Yes. They just are so well, tight in all the right places. Sure. <laughs> but they are. I mean, they, he ends up looking like a comic book figure in a good way, you know, that especially in those fights, because he also has this really broad manly stance. So he's not some hulking guy, but you feel like he's got a low center of gravity and he could really throw a punch. Yeah. And I like that. Yeah. He doesn't look off balance at any, no. at any yeah. point. Or Roger Even Moore though he throws that giant, that giant hook, yeah. it still looks like he can, he can stay, you know, feet planted in the ocean. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, the moment before that, though, that I, I, one of my notes, was that, that moment in Universal Exports. First of all, I love that yeah. close-up on yeah. the sign. Oh, I know. It's so, it's so textured. Yes. It just looks like, oh. you know, just... And that's Peter Butter Hunt and gold. walking by in the reflection. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. brilliant. Doing his little Hitchcock Brilliant. There. But that the, the, the dynamic between M and Q, I don't know if that's the first time it's just been those two guys. Yeah. But yeah. I love where he bats the friggin' radioactive lint <laughs> yeah. as though, oh, great, M's an asshole to everybody. Okay, it's not just James. <laughs> or everybody's just an asshole to Q. They got to push the nerd around. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. It is weird that that's Q's really gadget scene in the movie is explaining radioactive lint. But it is like a big sign right in the front that we're going back to basics here again. Yeah. yeah. Um, I do wish he had like shown off the briefcase photocopier. Like I wish there was a scene. I know they just yeah. teaching. I, I'm surprised James how to use a briefcase yeah. photocopier. Briefcase photocopier, ordinary, safe cracker. It's an, it's an uh, ordinary yeah, briefcase. The, right? the old combo. Look here, <laughs> safe cracker and photomemia. Toner cartridge replacement. Yeah. <laughs> Now take off your shoe, 007. Inside, you'll have three toner cartridges. <laughs> Extra oversized buttons for large hands. <laughs> That's a personal added option for me. Um, the other shoe is a phone. <laughs> Something we learned from the Americans. <laughs> Although technically, it's 1968 and we've beaten them to it. <laughs> um, yeah, so the story of this film is... I mean, it's you forget about the subplot... I mean, I don't know. It feels like Blofeld's the subplot to me. Because and it feels secondary like a plot. to the love story. Yeah, secondary story. to mm. the to the count, like trying yeah. to sell his daughter, right. to James Bond. It is interesting that it does. It's less an A and a B, and more of just a B and a B in a yeah. way or something. But the allergy thing didn't seem as goofy to me this time as it 
has I don't know if it's in the past or as I always remember it. Because when you explain, like, this is hypnotizing people with allergies to release diseases, it's not as crazy as any other Bond plot, you know? No, it's crazy. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. I mean, you can't... Can you hypnotize people not to sneeze? Is that is that Uh, a thing? I mean... I don't know. I mean, I'm just saying, compared to some of the other Bond movies, you know, it's just something because it's less... It's less direct, it's just weird for a Bond movie to have a plot be hypnotism, allergies, and spreading chemo- germ warfare. As well, I mean, it's just the kind of thing you do to get exclusive broadcast rights in China Tell for 100 again. years. <laughs> but that, that also, his, his, his ask for you know, the cure is, or for not doing it is, is not money. He yeah. just wants, he just a wants a stupid oh, title. That's what I have in a note. So, like, he Blofeld really does want to retire and settle down and just not be bothered with. I this guess anymore. so. Yeah, this is really. He's Blofeld probably got saying, all the money he needs. He's yeah. got that friggin' chateau. He bought that with something. He just you wants know. to live up in in this little. Just leave me restaurant. alone. Yeah, I'll stop doing. All you know what he should do is just go like, "Hey, I'll stop doing these things if you'll just give me right, give me a reset." Yeah. That's pretty good. I did not think of that. I, I did not. I did not think of that. It's so interesting, also, to me how how horrible the specter twist of them being siblings is when you look back yeah. at this movie, particularly. It's crazy. Meaning, just in contrast, or what? You- yeah, just like the whole retconning of it. Like to make them adopted brothers, but then you have this movie that exists where they're. But this doesn't exist in that timeline. We've I know. Well, yeah, but this, yeah. I know. I know what you're saying. My brain doesn't accept it. I know it doesn't. Well, <laughs> my brain refuses to accept it. I know. Oh. <laughs> my brain hurts. I don't know. I just like we're ignoring everything. Is that what we're saying? Daniel Craig's character. Oh, we're going nothing. over this again. I just, you know, every time I think about it, it just really bothers me a little bit. I just Really, I have no issue with it. It was so clearly a reset with the one thing of bringing Judy Dench along. That's all. That's all you have to buy, and it's not even necessarily the Judy Dench of the Brosnan years. It's just she's now M. You're saying it's a different M. Well, no, it's not. It's the same M, but it's as if and, that yeah, that exactly, time that exactly. parallel universe didn't happen. I don't. I don't. I don't care for it. I don't like it. I don't uh, want it. I don't know what to tell you. I don't, I don't have any control over it. We changed this? No. We what can't. are they going to do with the next one? Are they going to make it Honor Magic Secret Service? I mean, that's well, the rumor, right? That's the rumor. What Would you would you be up for that, Maurice? Well, <clears throat> they seem to be going there, but without the Blofeld uh, character. Or are they simply going to recast Blofeld? I wonder. Yeah. Or, is this but, or maybe they were going bullshit. there. Yeah, it could be bullshit. Maybe when they were going there, they thought he was on board, and now he's not on board. What are they going to do? Maybe he gets plastic surgery. Who hmm. plays Blofeld? Hmm. hmm. I don't know. I, it feels as though this Bond is in for another tragedy, though. I mean, Daniel yeah. Craig's Bond. Yeah. You know, something's going to you know push him over the edge. Um, and uh, that, so what? So he goes rogue. He's got. He's going to have to rogue again. <laughs> The last bonds have all gone rogue. This is this is. My we need problem. no. We need more rogue, Daniel I, Craig. Know, I think I might be up for a, a reboot of this with Daniel Craig, and it ends with his wife getting killed, and then that locks him in to be forever doomed for this role of just. Oh, like, that's interesting. Fuck it, I'm gonna go. I had assumed it would on. start with the wedding. 
Yeah, maybe. I'd assume it'd start with a wedding. But then, then maybe they go more it... towards the book where he's just really going to kill him and does. That'd I be interesting, so. too. But then imagine, too, if they brought David Arnold back and then they kind of work this theme into that theme. This is one of my favorite Bond themes. Oh, that'd be good. I'm just saying. I'm just making a case. I don't sure. know if I'm on board for it 100%. You're talking about the musical themes from... From, from Honor Majesty's. Honor, yeah. Brilliant score. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. I'm going to start just humming here like I, yeah. like I have a condition. But it, just, it just goes through. It just it, it goes through you. Especially when you get to those like cascading shots yes, of the Yes, of the snow. Oh, there's know, that one back. shot where all of the guys pursuing Bond in the nighttime are skiing... Like spaced out in a big line on the crest of this snowy mountain yeah, with yeah. that music playing, and they're just gliding, and the camera's gliding, yeah. and you know that that guy it almost looks like shooting. a double helix. It's, yes, it it's amazing. It's so beautiful. Oh, so good. You know, yeah. it's not beautiful. What? Staring down the camera after saying this never happened to the other fellow. No, I know. You're right. So I watched this with Amanda last night, uh-huh. and I was like, "Oh, this will be interesting." I'm newly married. It'd be fun to watch. She's right. never seen this one. And that happened. She goes, "Wait, what? 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 Why? Why did he do that?" <laughs> I started watching it with my wife, Robin, and she got up and left at that point. <laughs> really? I got other things to do. <laughs> She's not wrong. But I found yeah. myself a little hard pressed to fully explain it because I was kind of like, "Well, really, what this is is a meta thing of them saying like we're we're justifying why we're changing actors, even though it's still the same character, but he's." kind of acknowledging you as the audience know this is not the case. But then, I never caught this before, is he kind of in story saying, like, this never happened to the other fellow, meaning the woman never ran away from him and I didn't get to bed her. Like, if it were Connery, they would go make love right now. That's what he's hmm. saying, right? Isn't that what he's I saying? I never put that together before. I always, I always took it as a breaking the fourth wall. Yeah, he I, I thought straight it was at the camera. I never yeah. thought of that either. Right, but I always thought that what he was saying was... Women never ran away from Sean Connery. I didn't catch Isn't that before, that but now, now I see that. But I, I think it's still, that's the plausible deniability they're keeping. But what they're really doing is saying... But what is the story reason to say that? There isn't. Exactly. So no. he has to be talking about Sean Connery. But I, I don't know that they even care about that. I think they're more concerned about acknowledging the fact that it's a new actor. Yeah. That's why he looks at the camera. Right. But it is both. I think they want to have their cake and eat it too. But Which they can't. We won't allow it. Yeah. But they did it. And then we go into the opening credits, which is sort of like, it's the same guy. Look at all these past people that have been in the movies. Yeah. Right. That That take place in the same universe. And the symbolism of having all those past Bond moments going through an hourglass of a. Yeah. Right. You know, it's like slipping away. And the clock. It's like we acknowledge it, but this is the new Bond. Yeah. Yeah. The symbolism of that, I think. Yeah. But in a way, I like it. And it does feel like Peter Hunt going, like, let's let's handle this stylistically rather than literally, which I think is also similar to the Daniel Craig stuff. It's like, don't think too hard about it. Just go with us. Bond yeah. has a history of that, you know. Well, it's 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 so weird to be juxtaposed immediately against that line. Yeah. It, Do you know it, what I mean? And then to come back and go like, "Well, remember Pussy Galore everybody?" Yeah, oh, I remember that time jarring. Goldfinger was there. Yeah. And this then, stuff this stuff did happen to the other fellow. Yeah, and yeah. then <laughs> but know, and then this never like, happened to the other fellow. In case fella. you got popcorn during the opening credits, we're going to do a scene at his desk where he picks up each item and I they play know. the theme of that. Those film. are at odds yeah. with this film. They, yeah. are, they are strange. It's a reset and yet a continuity. But I remember being 11 and that bothered, bothered me. Really? In the theater. Good. Looking at and and 
Lazenby, this never happened to the other fellow. I was like, why is he saying that? This was great until now. he knows we're here. Is that what we're, you know, I, you know, 11 year old me, does he know we're here? What's going on? Is he going to be doing that <laughs> all through the picture? Is he going to be commenting on <laughs> yeah, everything? everything. Shakespeare. Um, I'm curious to get your perception of the entire trajectory of this film. Cause as you say, you saw it in the theater. Do you remember the critical reception at the time? And then when do you remember this film coming back in vogue? Because it seemed like it wasn't well received for so long. Yeah, I just I remember that there was a big hubbub about it. You know, I wasn't paying as much attention to media as I do now, but I still did, as I said before, for show and tell, all my things would be entertainment stories. <laughs> and I remember that there was, the, when he showed up with the beard, I remember seeing those pictures in the oh, paper yeah. and showing up with the beard at the, at the uh, premiere. And I remember it bothering me. I remember going, why is he looking like that? He's James Bond. He should be, he should be, you know, showing up as James Bond to the premiere. He couldn't shave just for this. How much money are they paying him? You know? Um, And then there seemed to be just a bad feeling in the air. And then excitement (laughs) that Connery was back a couple of years later for, for diamonds. But, you know, it was, it was, it was while it was going on. First of all, very Christmassy movie. I saw yes. it in the cold. You know, uh, I took the bus downtown during Christmas. Oh, that Toronto winter! All those Toronto winters, Ooh. almost as bad as Massachusetts winters. <laughs> well, you guys didn't live through the great uh, Whittier and Southern California winters <laughs> of my childhood. You don't know how Christmas trees are grown. I don't. You have no idea. No, wouldn't the Santa come around? Exactly. <laughs> But that that the the thing in the air was big, 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 big push, and then disappointment, uh, uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, that didn't that didn't exist. Swept clean, well. yeah. And during, in that time, I started watching watching a lot of Connery Bonds on TV mm-hmm. because ABC would play them, and you know, seeing Goldfinger again, start to finish, going, yeah, he he was. He was better. I got a, I got with the program of like, you know, yeah, Connery was the Bond. Because Connery is my Bond. Um, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not a, I, I was never a Moore fan, yeah. except for Live and Let Die. Yeah. He made cigars look cool. Yeah. Which, you know, they save his life twice. Yeah. So I became an avid cigar smoker. Well, also, oh, really? well, hairspray, hairspray, really. Hairspray plus cigar. Yeah. Hairspray without cigar just gives you a well-coiffed <laughs> snake. So, you know, it may be, may be frozen in place. He's quaffing that with hairspray. He's got yeah. better lock it down. Yeah. It's yeah. perfect. <laughs> and, you know, but, but the two elegant bonds are my least favorite. Uh, I'm not a Moore fan. I was never a Brosnan fan. Yeah. I hate to say it. Uh, I mean, I hate, what am I, I hate, doing? I hate to say it. He's a managed to defend us both. Well, offend us both. Yeah. It's crazy. I've it's never just good. seen anyone. Well, and I've also managed to support you both. That's so come true. on. That's boys. True. Fair enough. I was a, you know, I loved Remington Steel. So for me. Yeah, I did too. Brosnan always seemed a little light for Bond. Yeah. When he says in, uh, Oh, God, I forget which picture, but he says, I gave him the limp, you know? He goes, uh, go, how? Yeah. How did you give that big man right. a friggin' limp? Right. Would, you, would you stand behind a tree and stick your leg? I mean, <laughs> come on. There's no way that he just looked like, when, when he punched somebody as Remington Steel, he always had that moment where he looked like he'd go, ha, yeah. ha, and, you know, blow on his knuckles. Yeah. And all of a sudden, he's Bond. I just that never bought it. That might be what has ruined him for you guys. <clears throat> oh, it does. I've Remington always said Knowing him as Steel first. Yeah, I always yeah. say it's like if MacGyver played Indiana Jones. It just doesn't work at that point, you know? Right. What if Magnum P.I. plays Indiana? Jones. Mm. That's a different story, but I still 
can't see it after Harrison Ford. You know, well, we Harrison covered Ford this is on Indiana Jamie Lee Jones. Perfect. Yeah. Tune in for did, the next episode of Indiana did you Jones. Right, Jamie Lee Perfect. Why did I hear that? <laughs> I don't know, but I love it. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> Jamie Lee Perfect. He, why Harrison did you Ford say Jamie Lee Perfect? <laughs> Jamie Freudian Lee slip. Perfect. Oh, you are Jamie Lee Perfect. Because <laughs> she's also in that movie called Perfect. Right. That is that is the new... I want that to be like on fleek or P-H-A-T fat. Probably Jamie Lee. No, if anything, we're trendsetters on uh, this podcast. Because uh, <laughs> I think all the kids are listening. We push trends back 70 years on I this show. I want everyone listening at some point today to use the term Jamie Lee Perfect. How's it look? Looks Jamie Lee Jamie perfect. Lee perfect. <laughs> and use it. And when someone balks, go, what? No, that's a phrase. You've never heard that. Don't ever say where yeah, it came from. We got to get know. that into the lexicon. I yeah. think you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. Um, uh, hashtag Jamie Lee perfect. Yeah, I know, I know her, I um, her uh, hair person who does her hair. Oh. So I feel like I should text him. You and should. say, drop this on her, see what <laughs> she says. And then let's hit up Dan and Yogurt and see if they'll <laughs> use that as their slogan. It's Jamie Lee Perfect. So when do you remember this film coming back in vogue? Because I think that's probably in the last 10 years that this this film has been recognized as good. Maybe 15? I don't know. Hmm. Coming back in vogue is an interesting way of, of putting it. I mean, I just, it's... Or being recognized. I think, at the, I, think if, I think, you know, as, as we've built up to 25 films... Um, just and and looking back through the different eras, the Brosnan era. The, now that there were so many more to compare it to, um, I, th- I think people just it began to come up in estimation against some of the lesser uh, Brosnan. I think pictures. you're right. I think it's because it, it was always Lazenby against Lazen Connery versus Connery, and it never worked that way. But you're right. We get to Dalton and Brosnan, and, and the lesser Dalton picture because I loved, I loved. The first one, yeah. Living Daylights, and really was not a fan of, yeah. of, of the second one. Um, Maurice, when we're covering a movie on the show, do you try to watch it before we get back to it? I, I have, I have not, I've not done that, mm-hmm. with the exception of um, uh, when I re-listened to Spectre, I, I, uh, yeah. your Spectre broad, uh, podcast, I watched it again to, to, yeah. to really get into it. Because when it first came out, <clears throat> I have a, a, a good friend named Carmi, uh, and he's huge Bond file, and we sat down the the day after seeing. Uh, uh, did I say Spectre? I meant Skyfall. Oh, okay, yeah. but also the day after Spectre, we both had a problem with Skyfall, and he brought up the point that Skyfall wasn't a James Bond movie. It's the only movie in which Bond absolutely fails at every single objective that he has. He basically buys Judy Dench twenty three more seconds of life. <laughs> That's his big success. That's his big win at the end of the picture. Uh, and at the, and for Spectre, yeah. we sat down uh, at at uh, Sugarfish and said, "Okay, finally they gave us a James Bond picture." It took them three pictures to give us uh, a Bond picture where he gets the mission, mm-hmm. goes and does mm-hmm. the mission. Yeah. yeah, there's some weird family shit in there, you know. But very weird. And I was not. I was not a fan of the of the retcon of Blofeld being the son of the man who took care of him. The architect of all his pain. Yeah. <laughs> so dumb. Yeah. It's I so know. dumb. We, you know, as and the acceptance know. of the James. Blofeld name, like he's, he, he doesn't, if I were James Bond, I'd keep taunting him that his name was really 
Oh, yeah. Know, Oberhauser. Oberhauser. Yeah. I'd never call him Blofeld. Yeah, That'd give right. him too much satisfaction. Right. Oh, yeah. So yeah. even when he's behind that thick pane of glass, I go, Oberhauser, Oberhauser, <laughs> and just piss him off. Not, okay, Blofeld. Uh, uh, that's interesting. I am curious to revisit that film. We, I suppose we have to, right? We do. At some point. Yeah, we will. Oh, boy. <laughs> Loved it the first time. Let's talk a bit about Tracy, because, you know, she's regarded as one of the stronger, if not the strongest Bond woman there is. Um, maybe you'd put Vesper in there, at least in terms of character depth. I found an interesting moment that I didn't notice before with Tracy, where uh, they're in his hotel in that outdoor full-sized bed, which I love, by the way. Yeah. Uh, and he goes to kiss her, and she turns her head. Yeah. And then seconds later, kisses him. And it's just, I love the idea that it's like, we'll kiss, but it'll be on my terms. Right. You know, completely. Yeah. Beautiful moment. Yeah. She is, um, you know, she's just wonderful. Yeah. Anna Rigg is just so graceful. and One and reason I think they, they work well together is you can both see that they both have chips on their shoulder and they both have real insecurity and vulnerability that is manifested as like bravado and kind of aloofness and I feel like that and comes And suicidal through. tendencies. Yeah, no kidding. But yeah. with her especially... Which could be said of Bond as well. I mean, you you know, in his job, yeah. you're basically... Right. You're taking a 50-50 shot, you're going to get killed on this one. Yeah, right, right. So they're, they're cut from the same cloth. But Diana Rigg as an actress spent... Had just spent three, three or four years as the first, you know, spy feminist. Yeah, right. Emma Peel, even though her name means male appeal, yeah. Emma Peel. Yeah. She, she doesn't need anybody. You know, she's talented amateur, Emma Peel. Mm-hmm. And she's phenomenal. She, she can fight. She can... She, you know, when she splits off from Steed, she can take care of herself on her end of the mission. So to have her come in as, you know, some weak, you know, Bond thing, this really is the Bond girl who is different than all the other Bond girls, even though, as you said in yeah. the previous podcast, they all say that. She's the one. Yeah. She's the one who's his equal and saves his skin. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's really... I don't know. It's just, she's so... You just feel something for her. She's really you don't defensive feel for the other James Bond in a way that gives her character a different dimension. Like you could just tell she's being defensive for a reason, mm-hmm. and I love it. Yeah, and it is like it's also a. Uh, I mean, the moment I love is when she takes his takes the Aston Martin just and drives it up to I her know, car. I know, and just gets in her car. And <laughs> yeah, goes. like uh, she didn't steal the car. Like, I, don't no. know, I don't want your Which car. Which was my first thought. I just want to get yeah, there first. Get... She's obviously like devil may care. Doesn't play by any rules. Why doesn't she just keep driving but I think that, that car? Because I think she says because... later on in the picture, one thing I am is yeah, honest. That's yeah. right. Yeah, and so she would never steal exactly this car. Yeah. Yes, yes, she you know she bets with money she doesn't have, but she pays it off. That's another th- moment that bothered me. It's like he finds the twenty thousand francs in the drawer, but he doesn't notice that that's where he left his gun. That never bothers him that his gun is gone. That's the same drawer he threw the gun. Oh, out. I never noticed. I didn't that. even think yeah. about that. Never put and that it's together. Like, that never bothers him until he gets down to the lobby and there's the guy. Wow, that's crazy. The he, uh, did something go wrong? No, I was just. Huh. Yeah. Ah, huh. What? Our merch person's picking up the posters at eleven. So it's very exciting. Yeah. Um, the, There'll be more posters in the store for you guys coming soon. Yeah, you guys seem to enjoy them. So guess what? You're getting more. The um, the moment in the casino, I really, I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed her. Like, what is she doing? Are we have we decided? Like, what's her until she meets Bond? Is she just going? 
fuck it with life and like seems like it. I just, think I think she's if I on die, the, I die. Yeah, whatever. she's on the tail end of yeah. of of whatever self destructive mission she's on. It's really interesting. Yeah, it's and a good I, color because Bond comes in and saves her from yeah. that. You know, but I think she's she's really spiraling at that point and just yeah. And you yeah. hear as much from her father who says, you know, phrases it as scandals and things like that. But yeah, she just seems to be going on these self-destructive benders. And the, um, the, her father's bodyguards are in the hotel to initially to secure Bond and bring him in because her father has already chosen him as her has Well, her they're partner. the guys on the beach. Yes, And I so I think they, that's the first time they see Bond and probably report back to Draco and Draco says, well, watch this guy. So are they there at the beach to initially to protect yeah, Tracy and I prevent her so. from killing herself? Yeah. And I never noticed how much those guys are in the movie the entire the time. Entire they're they're at the movie. wedding. They're at the end. Yeah, they're, they're, at the they're all there at the yeah. wedding. Yeah, like they're just there just... in the fight at the end. Yeah. I love it. Like They became these lovable three guys yeah. that, you know, interesting. I really... There's a lot. There's a lot of this movie that's just like, oh, this is. I love the moment when they get Bond in the car. You know, they they escort they <laughs> they escort him out, and 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 the uh, the gentleman of African American descent uh, puts the knife in his right right in his ribs, and he goes, "Thank you." Yeah, <laughs> it's like just a great little toss. <laughs> I know. Thank you. And you know what I love about this too? I never noticed they pick him up in the lobby. He's got golf clubs, so right. it's presumably yeah. early in the day he's going right. to play a full round of golf. And they arrive at Draco's at night. So they rode in that awkward car ride together it's a all long day long. freaking time. They must have become friends at yeah. some point in yeah. there, and then he's got to beat the crap out of them. But I yeah. guess that's why they're at the wedding. Well, we had a lovely conversation. <laughs> I, all right, we'll have we'll have those guys. And I love uh, the you know the the that's the really uh, stylized fight with the three of them outside the door. Yeah, uh, and then just the way the way Lazenby enters with that throwing knife. Oh, but he just that crouch. You don't like the crowd? No, I love it. Oh, okay. I love it. It looks great. Because they zoom in on him, too. Actually, the most surprised I was of anything you've oh, ever no, said. Oh, no, I love it. You didn't like the crowd? I love it. I love it. I love it. That's what I'm saying. He's got that like wide bait center of gravity. Yeah. That he just... Oh, I don't, and he, I believe that he can throw a knife. I love the way this film looks, too. Like the purple wallpaper in the casino. Mm. And I never noticed this before, too. But Lazenby's got almost olive green eyes. I don't know if it's the just technicolor look of this film, mm. but... the. I don't know. The, just the color in this film, his orange shirt when he's going golfing. and The descent kind of... down the stairs in that tuxedo. Yeah. Yeah. It's so classic. And, you know, the, the idea of, I mean, like you said, the tailoring. I thought that was actually too strange a note to come in here with. But that was something I <laughs> loved Wait, all I through the I thought you were a too. fan. I thought, I want his suit. Yeah, I know. I, <laughs> I want his suits. I want I want those golf clothes. I oh, want to I lose know. 100 pounds. I know. So I can have, you guys like the play suits? I uh-huh. want the golf clothes from OHNSS. Oh, I do too. Those are incredible. Unbelievable. Those turtlenecks with those beautiful, it's like, I want to bring that back. Yeah. You know? But he had the silhouette for that. I know, know, he really does. He's just that long torso and it's like, the way his, he's got those broad shoulders, but his waist is so thin and they cut all his suits that way. And yet the suits are cut long. So it's almost like he's wearing skirts, you know? Yeah. And then the kilt too. Don't even get me started. On oh my kilt. God. <laughs> but you see, he wears these clothes and he's, and yet he's, he's not what they used to call a fop. Yeah. He's no dandy. He's no dandy. He's no Brosnan. Uh, whereas, right. you know, well, with, as with they Pierce, proved by sending over prostitutes. Yeah. <laughs> 
But he's just so yeah. What did what did Manuel mean? Manuel, I love that. There's a hotel you named Manuel that isn't in Faulty Towers. But when he first <laughs> walks into that hotel and he's, don't worry, Mister Bond, we can take care of your needs. It's like yeah. your special needs. It's like <laughs> special needs. He I, does. I, say look, special when needs. I have special needs, when I check into a hotel, it's low sodium, low fat meals. Those are my special needs. <laughs> what are Bond's special needs? Yeah. So are they are they in the? I know. The, Minor the HGTV. Of, exactly. Yeah. HGTV. <laughs> Home and Gardens? Yeah, is that what you want? No, you said HDTV. No, HG. Yeah. HG. Right. Oh, okay. you the must network. have HGTV. The network, not yeah. the picture. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yes. Yeah. Matt's right. That's what you should <laughs> You'll walk out, Matt, will you walk out of a hotel that doesn't have HGTV? I won't even walk in one if oh they don't have it. Oh, my God. I call ahead. I've been disappointed by that before. Recently, there was a hotel I was in in New York that didn't have HGTV. And I was like, this is madness. The gall. This is madness. The nerve. I almost moved hotels. Um, but, uh, <laughs> the, the, um, Baccarat scene, this is the closest I've come to understanding Baccarat. Sweetie. Banco. I don't know. Sweetie. I have to report, still don't understand it. Okay. Okay. First of all. Oh, here we go. First of all, the game is Chemin de Fer. That in they're this, playing. In they're not this playing one. Baccarat. Yeah, they're not no. playing Baccarat. Okay. In Chemin, the difference between Baccarat and Chemin de Fer. Yes. Is the, the same rules for the card play. Mm-hmm. But. In Chemin de F- in Baccarat, the casino banks the game. In Chemin de Fer, the players play with their own money and are banks against each other. That's how people get so wiped out. That's how oh, okay. why Tracy walks up and says, Banco, Banco. She's she wants be to the supply bank. the bank for this. She loses it. and Which is so, all the more dramatic that she loses it all and doesn't have money. That she comes in right away and goes, right. I'll handle the, the bank and right. has no money. So she, she screws everybody at the table by doing that because you win off of her as well. You're supplying the bank. But the rules of this, and I know this because when I was in fifth grade, 10 years old. I actually read Casino Royale, the book. Yeah. That's another of my history uh-huh, with Bond. Uh-huh. I read the book and I don't know how, but I got the rules of, you know, because of, of he background. takes two, two pages, two to pages to, to lay yeah. it out. Yeah. And I started playing it at home to see if it worked. The idea is to get close to nine. 10 counts for nothing. You drop the 10 column. It doesn't exist. So okay. if you, if you draw, if you have, you know, uh, you know, a two and a three, that's five. You're hoping to hit a four, obviously. Uh, but if you go over, let's say you draw a, a seven, well, you've got 12, now you've got two. Okay. But uh-huh. you're always trying to hit nine. You draw till you hit nine or eight. And that's if you hit it on the first two, a five and a four, a six and a three, that's a natural. It beats everything else at the table. So it's, it's only the last column, the singles column of the numbers accumulated. Unlike blackjack, where it's twenty-one, sure. or whatever, so you're sixteen, you go through the teens. Up to Aces 20. are worth one. Aces are worth one, and face, face cards are worth are... zero. Got Tens it. and face cards are worth zero. And if you drive yourself over nine, then we take the last number, and so it's a, a twelve is two, so a thirteen is three. If, if I pull a nine, I want to draw, and hopefully... if you pull a nine, you'd stand because you've won. But I thought you have to take two cards, no? Yes, and those two cards together. Oh, what I'm saying is, I draw. A nine, let's say I draw a nine. Uh, oh, no. I guess that doesn't make Hold sense. Hold everything. Yeah. In the interest of getting Maurice back here as much as we can, we should also do an episode where we play Chemin de Fer and Baccarat <laughs> and just have someone call it. Mark McConville, who's good at that kind of stuff, he can call it du while we play. Banque. Sweefy. Banco. A la neuf. Neuf à la banque, c'est à la banque. Le banque gagne. Which means the, the bank wins. So, yeah, so that's... Do you get it now? Or maybe... Because I'm not leaving here until you understand. Yeah. Like, 
Almost. Like I walked by the other Well, day. I'm going to pee while you guys Please. Do. All right. Take a Walter PPK. I will. If you're looking to take your podcast listening to the next level, check out Stitcher Premium. They have a great holiday deal going for a limited time that you will not want to miss. Get 30% off Stitcher Premium when you go to stitcher.com slash premium and use promo code JINGLE. Stitcher Premium gives you access to hundreds of exclusive shows, bonus episodes, and comedy albums. You can listen to the latest season of Wild Horses with Lauren Lapkus, Stephanie Allen, Aaron Whitehead, and Mary Holland, or all of the Super Ego archives and specials. <laughs> On Wild Horses, they sit down in front of a live audience and have a hilarious conversation with celebrity guests like Natasha Leone, Karen Kilgariff, Georgia Hardstark, and Conan O'Brien, and then do improv. They're the funniest. They're the best. They really are. Uh, Lauren uh, recently did Sidekick with Matt Mara. Oh, that's right. She was such a good host. Better than Matt Gorley. So listen to our podcast. Try kidding, man. I didn't mean just that. Just go to stitcher.com slash premium and use promo code FRIENDBETRAYAL for 30% off. <laughs> it's actually Jingle. I'm so sorry, man. We're never going to be the same. Go to Stitcher Premium. Uh, I walked by the Baccarat tables at the Win the other day, uh-huh. and I thought about just sliding in and figuring out if they would teach me which of course they would but it was a hundred dollars a hand yeah i was was gonna say you wanted to figure it out with your own money there's mini baccarat that you know you can play for five dollars a hand and have a still somewhat expensive lesson i just don't so who okay so let's say it's me and a dealer at a table Mm -hmm. who am i playing against you're playing the house in baccarat yeah okay you don't start a game of chemin de fer unless you have certain you know enough players that one of them can bank the game okay and like poker they take a commission they'll 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 take some some vigorish off the off the the thing the the rake yes so that's the, the that's the main difference between chemi as they call it in colloquial terms and baccarat so it's like playing essentially it's like playing hold them at a casino right. against nine players right or going to one of the table versions of hold them right right and they're playing against, playing the house, against the house which you know obviously people go well against the house i can take the whole casino home i mean we all have that <laughs> weird men- mental twist towards gambling I, I have never in my life gone to vegas expecting to come home with more money than i left with. no that's true I never i never you know that's I, why i enjoy it i don't touch i don't touch the tables no no my father had a gambling problem oh, I and, and I watched him lose you know, like $2,000 waiting for his free drink uh-huh. at once. And I just went, you know what? This is not for me. And then I felt the little, the next, you know, while I was playing blackjack alongside him, I felt that little tingle in the back of my brain going, yeah, that pleasure center this going? is too much. This yeah. is too much fun. I'm not going to do this. And I actually won $1,600 oh, at that same game where I watched done. my father lose the 2000 and And I went, I'm stopping here. I'm never doing this again. I'm going to be the one guy who walks out of Vegas ahead. Wow. And, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was uh, the beginning of me just going. And so even when I used to perform in Vegas, when I was a stand-up comedian, I would not touch the table. So I never went. Wow. The most I would do was throw a, a quarter or a buck into a slot machine. Slot machine. Well, wait till we play Baccarat on this, on this podcast. Yes. Well, the, well this might change. Uh, I've recently seen the new licensed James Bond slot machines, Casino Royale specific, Daniel Craig specific, uh, View to a uh, Kill even. Oh, uh, what? And they are they're not out yet. They're not in the So if it goes by the math of when I saw the when I first saw the Simpsons machines at the trade show, I think we will be seeing the James Bond slot machines in casinos probably in the fall. Wait, you go to slot machine trade shows? No, I'll just see like 
YouTube videos oh. of them. You know, YouTube recommends things for me. That's I don't know true. how it knows in the algorithm. It's magic. <laughs> it really is genuinely magic. All of my YouTube that, recommendations. You know, that, that, might, that might draw me in. I well, mean, I might actually throw... I think we'll have to do some, a special some, report. I think we'll, we'll have to, to do a live yes. podcast Road from trip. Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Roving. We'll stay in Fremont Street. Yeah. Like Diamonds Are Forever. <laughs> Visit the alley. No, we could... Why don't we, why don't we just stay in Walter White's hotel? What is that hotel? It's the Las Vegas Hotel. It used to be the Hilton. But it's I didn't realize that was still there. Oh, wow. 100%. We can take that elevator? Fully intact. Is that... Yes, we can take that elevator. Oh, and then bust out the top of it? Well, I don't know if we should do Let's that, do but that. we could do is that. Is the Hilton still there, really? Yeah. It yeah. just shows how often I go to Vegas yeah, now. It's still there. I don't think I've been there It hasn't been years. called the Hilton. It lost its Hilton branding about uh, nine years ago. Okay. Hmm. That used to be where they had the Star Trek experience. Oh, right. right. Which is why I was so familiar with that hotel. Well, let's talk about Telly Savalas as our Blofeld. What are your thoughts, guys? He's fine. Yeah. I got... I'll tell you something about... Uh, that I noticed last night that I never noticed before. Because I, I used I've to make Kojak jokes. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You know, about his cigarettes. And like, oh, who, who, who loves you? Who loves you, Bondi? Or whatever, you know. And <laughs> like, I, I, I saw a psychopathy in his eyes Ooh. on last night's viewing. Huh. And I thought, you know, he's really playing this guy as a pure sociopath. Yeah, I... this he's not. He's not mad. He's not insane. Yeah, he just wants what he wants and doesn't give a shit. Yeah, who he steps on to get it, which is what psychopaths are. Yeah, uh, you know, and, and weirdly, what he wants is just to be left alone, just like the Hulk. He just wants to go away. But yeah. in pure sociopathic behavior, it's like he's not accounting for all the horrible things he's done, and he feels entitled to just be left alone. Just as long to as be as left alone, baby. Yeah. Who loves you? Blofy, hey. I've got a gloft about Blofeld. Oh, great. Uh, yeah. Let's look out for this. I don't, I don't know how we ever missed this before. I don't think we talked about this. Did you guys notice he has a strange finger? He has a, like, half finger. It looks like he has two thumbs, but his left hand pointer finger is like almost half size and it's a little like wrinkled and shriveled. No. I've never noticed this before. Let me see if I can find a is this picture a of it. Is a trademark of Blofeld? Or well, no, it's no, a, that, it was a char- that was a character else. trademark of Hannibal Lecter, was that he had an extra, <laughs> he had an extra digit. I'm Googling Telly Savalas. Telly Savalas hands, baby. <laughs> Telly Savalas finger. That's why I held the lollipop, so I could close it around something. Oh, that makes sense, Telly. Let's see if there's the a good... Oh, here's a, here's a decent picture of it. Okay. Sorry, I had to step out. Did you just say something about Telly? Were you watching Telly? <laughs> no, he, he just swung in and was really? telling us about... You, Maurice, you should have been here. Oh, shit. It was truly amazing. Damn it. What happened? Well, Apparently, Telly Savalas visited oh, while geez. I was out having a, about his lollipop. Ch- his checking out your backyard. Yeah. Okay, these are. It's it's hard. I've got three versions here, but see this little guy here. That's an adorable digit. And then look, <laughs> it doesn't fully wrap around the gun there. Oh, he does have like a little. Tiny and then there, half this is how I first saw it in On Her Majesty's Secret Service. It's like. It's Which not- is an odd choice because if he's he he must add some confidence about that about that is it ableist to say deformity now or I don't know uh, digital difference yes yeah. let's call it that he must have been very confident about that digital difference 
1969 to, to drape his arm on that banister right. like that yeah. and hang it there. Gary Berghoff spent his entire career wow. trying to hide his left yeah. hand and trying to shoot around it on MASH because he had an oddly formed left hand. Yeah. And so I never noticed that before. James Dillon, Scotty on Star Trek. Yes. What does he have? He ha- he's missing a he finger. Had, he is death. Apparently, he's not existing anymore. It's <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, he's Jimmy. missing a finger on his right right hand, I believe. Oh, from uh, World War II. No kidding! Wow, Canadian. He he didn't get it caught in the Dyson sphere. No. Oh my God. <laughs> the Dyson sphere, guys. That's from the episode Relics, season five. James Doohan would not. Uh, I don't know if I'm telling too much, too many tales out of school. James Doohan and William Shatner had, had such a falling out on Star Trek Generations. I can't when, imagine not anyone not getting along with Shatner. I know. It's, it's, I don't understand. <laughs> but that when we, did, um, when we did the Star Trek episode where no fan has gone before mm-hmm. on Futurama, Doohan would not do the episode. You know, doing did all the cloud creatures and all sure, the he did yeah, all the voiceovers yeah. Yeah. for the classic series and the animated series. It, it essentially, invented what the Klingon language sounds like. Yeah, he had to just make up Klingon. I exactly. didn't know that. So, but Doohan said, "I will not be." Well, he didn't do it with a Scottish accent; he did with a Canadian accent. I will not be in anything with that man ever again. So, when we tried to book him on Futurama. <sighs> He was living in Vancouver, BC, where he, you know his, his old hometown. He wouldn't even do it remotely. Like they said, we'll, just, we'll fly up and give you your lines. He was supposed to play uh, the cloud creature, uh, Melvar, and oh he wouldn't God. do it. He wouldn't play Scotty, and he, that's why they created the character of Welshy. Did you ever see the episode Welshie. as a Star Trek? <laughs> because Scotty would not be in it. And that's actually one line of Gaelic that Dave Herman says as well, she before he's destroyed. But he wouldn't even do it remotely. He wouldn't have his oh name associated God. with William Shatner. So I got to play Melvar in the episode. Oh, so, my God. But, wow. that was, you know, Jimmy Dewan's disdain for Shatner was my... And somehow, when I hear that story, I don't think of James Doohan as unreasonable. No. It just goes on to the legend of what a prick that probably Shatner really was. Well, he's not the easiest guy to get along with, apparently. (laughs) Uh, When he dies, we'll finally find out. (laughs) If he murdered his wife? No, Uh, I don't know. Just kidding. That didn't happen. No. I hate to say it. When you hear that 911 tape, which was not on my show, Rescue 911. Um, when you hear that 911 <laughs> tape, I mean, the, the, it's heartfelt. He's, God, God bless him, he's just not that good an actor. That. <laughs> I mean, he's friggin', he's hysterical with grief and with, he doesn't know what the fuck to do. I, I, I run to his defense when, when, whenever, I mean. Yeah, he just panicked. No, 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 no. I mean, I know nothing about that. I only know that as a reference. I didn't even know no, there was no, a nine eleven call. Got no, we don't reference that here, man. What we do reference is the murderer John Lasseter. Nope. Wait. Uh oh. What's what I forgot? Uh, Landis. John Landis. John. Landis. Okay. Oh, yes. John please. Lasseter not John Lasseter. Lasseter hasn't killed anyone. Yeah. <laughs> no. No. Is Robert Blake safe? God. There's so many. Yeah. No. I think we can. I think we can come down on Robert. Let's Blake. Let's just go back to OJ, guys. Yeah. A clear murderer. Yes. Wait. Nope. No. Not guilty. No. That's. Uh, and we're let's get, back. let's get back to Telly Savalas. Um, Telly, I don't think you. he's a great Blofeld. No, I think he's a good Telly Savalas. I like him as a change. I, I like him in this movie a lot. As a uh, change from Pleasance, yeah, or as a different type of Blofeld because really Blofeld usually is pretty elegant, and this guy's. I like what he does. I mean, we with always him. I say like that him. though, right? We yeah. always say Blofeld is usually this, Blofeld is usually that, but we really only see him twice. Well, that's but you've got Charles Gray and you've got. Pleasance, or who are the on-camera ones, the other ones where you don't see his face, he's kind of in the background. Those two are pretty effete 
you know, elegant Blofeld. Charles Gray is such an oddity for me. Yeah. Of Blofeld. Um, but don't you think he's closer to the Pleasance model than the Telly Savalas model? Hmm. I feel like he's his own spin. It does seem like Christoph Waltz is the closest to Donald Pleasance. Yes. That those two are of a kind. Yeah. You know. I wish his hair got burned off. Yeah. At the end of something, Spectre. Something to make him bald. At the end of Spectre, him, yeah. like his hair gets burned off or yeah. something like that. Welcome, James. <laughs> the architect of all your pain. Do you have your delicious milk? <laughs> um, oh, by the what way. about Max von Sydow? I know it's outside oh, of the yeah. canon, but what do you... I, I like him. I liked his... I, like it, I, I yeah. liked his... his uh, I mean, he seemed very in control, and I liked his I liked his willingness not to wear a neighbor jacket. Yeah, yeah. you know, but a, but an eye patch doesn't he wear an eye patch? No, no, he has just has a big bow tie. Oh, right, the true mark of a villain. Yes, a bow tie, a bow tie, yeah. big friggin' well, bow tie. Carlson, yeah. Um, so yeah. This another supervillain. A couple things I really enjoy about this film is uh, number one for me is the uh, visit to M's house. Yes. You know how much I like a visit to M's. Yes. And it has a name. Did you see the plaque? What yes. was it? Like something deck. Quarter deck. Quarter deck, yeah. Wasn't that what it something was? Something like that. Yeah. What What do you think that means? He's an admiral. That's true. I feel like he just decided to name... That's great. ...his yeah. estate. And he's got a room full of butterflies. I also love is the admiral in, and I love that butler. Yeah. Because that butler, I feel like, was also in the Navy. Yeah. He's probably like a captain in the Navy. He was like, oh, God, I got to answer an admiral again. I love it when M and Draco at the wedding are walking together and just reminiscing about the men they've lost that the other ones have killed. And just, yeah. But it's like, we're off the clock, so we can just have this gentleman's conversation. And and M sort of congratulates him on the partial success yes. of his crime. Yes, yes. As though, I'm not personally invested in this at all. I really don't care whether you got away with yeah. most of the money or I'm not. On it just, it was on, I'm on Yeah. It was great. It was really great. And Bernard Lee... Oh. That man scares the shit out of me. <laughs> you look at those ice blue eyes, and when he dismisses you, you stay dismissed. Oh. I mean, I don't care which Bond you are. Yeah, In this that, one especially, where Bond comes in and he won't even look up from his paper. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, <laughs> between that and the way he treats Q. Yeah. yeah, but he seems He's to have hurt. such a soft spot for, for Money Penny, and that, that, that humanizes yeah. the Bernard Lee M. You know, twice he says, what would I do without you, yeah. and what would you do without me? And yeah. He sees her hurt, and that, that made him, you know, that's, that's the functional father, but only towards Lois Maxwell. Yeah. I, had, I had breakfast with Lois Maxwell. What? Yes. I was, I, I was doing, um, it was when Alan Thicke, tested to take over the old Alan Hamill show in, in Canada. We had an afternoon talk show that Suzanne Summers' husband, Alan Hamill, had. It was basically the Tonight Show at three in the afternoon. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Alan Thicke tested to do James Bond. No, but he was, he was the first guest host, and he ended up like getting the show. He actually shaved off half his beard for the second episode so that he could test with the audience, which do you like better, than uh, this or that? But I was on the very first episode, and Lois Maxwell was on the episode with me, and I did stand-up in a little panel. And it was the show that all the comedians in the late 70s and early 80s did to prepare for their Tonight Show spot. Uh, You'd run up to Vancouver and do your five minutes in Canada, uh, where nobody was going to see it, because they <laughs> held the show sometimes for months. And then, you know... Um, so Lois did the show, and it was you know the very lovely little interview. But the next morning, we all stayed in the same hotel. I came down, 
And she was already having breakfast by herself. So I actually went and got to sit down and have a little breakfast with Lois Maxwell. And she told me that Lazenby was a very nice, he was a very nice boy, she said. But he just was a little in over his head. And the whole thing with Diana Rigg, this is something that's coming back to me now, that they they feuded. Um, Apparently there was something to do with garlic. Yeah. And that that, that was a real story. That wasn't manufactured. She... She um, she told him to, you know, have garlic today for lunch, George, because I am, because it was their first, the first filmed kiss. And George didn't, didn't register with him, so he was pissed off that she had bad breath and blah, blah, blah. But she said he was a very nice, he was a very nice young man, very nice boy, but he was a little in over his head. And he got off in the hippie thing and didn't, didn't want to do, didn't want to do, uh, you know, movies for money, you know, et cetera, et cetera. In the meantime, Lazenby, it turns out... <clears throat> And again, this is, you know, internet, you know, uh, you know, statistics. But I read an article that said Lazenby is actually like the most independently wealthy of any of the Bond actors because of his real estate investments. Oh, wow. Apparently, he's like worth $10 million more than Roger Moore. No kidding. Yeah. Apparently, wow. he, he invested in real estate very young, used some of his Bond money. I didn't know and, that. Uh, I could buy that. Yeah. And he actually ended up doing extremely well. So wow. don't feel too bad for George Lazenby if you're thinking he's Maybe like, he's you know, the smartest of the bunch. So you were having breakfast with done. Lois Maxwell, what, like 1980, like four years only? This would have been 1978 or nine. Oh, so Moonraker money. Patty. Yeah. And she actually did, she actually wrote a little article on me because she, she had a syndicated column in the canadian papers the, oh the sun syndicate and so like the next week they came out this little thing about i had the pleasure of sitting out with a marvelous young comedian. do you have a copy yes and i should have brought it I'll, oh. I'll, when i if, if you guys have me back for casino royale 67 i'll bring the That's article what was me. the article called what, what it was, was just, been, it was what just was called the... her byline was money penny that's all and said i said this I remember the I would have called it Maxwell's house. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying. I like it. Yeah. So uh, so that was it was very nice. Yeah. And that's then, awesome. And then I fucked it. No, I'm kidding. I did. Uh, that's oh, wow. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm like trying to even wrap my head around having breakfast with money, Penny. I know breakfast with money, Penny. Um, she was quite a lady. I'm she sure. was really lovely. Yeah. Nice time. Let's talk about. The the actual sort of plan, okay, which is for I guess who gets wind of Blofeld trying to prove his ancestry? It's Tracy's father, right? N- the just he just knows that the yeah that the, the lawyers lawyer. he's been working with the lawyer about yeah. this. some lawyer yeah. in Geneva, Gumbold, and so the plan is for. Bond to first go check out what the info the lawyer knows, and then he takes it upon himself to work with Hillary Bray to impersonate him. Yes, so that he can. Yeah, that's how he gets operation. I like the coloring. Yeah, that's right. I like the coloring of the Hillary Bray character of like this is for national security, right? Right, right. For Her Majesty. Like he gets so like, oh, I know. (laughs) I'm doing a good thing. I even love his suits, man. His tweedy looking suits, and he's got a, a crest on his navy blue tie. And oh, yeah. God, I love the clothes in this thing. Um, I liked, I did not like the immediate uh, mimicking. 
Like you mean the ADR voice? Yeah, the craziness of yeah. that. Like that's just a crazy. It stood out to me too. Here's something I never noticed before. So he's obviously whenever he's Hillary Bray, it's George Baker doing the voice. Sure. In the end, when they do the assault on Pete's Gloria, and Bond like has this one, he just tangles with this one guard and knocks a gun out, and. George Baker's voice comes back in as if Bond is doing the joke, and he goes, "I don't like guns." It's like he's referencing his own. I totally missed bit. that. That's yeah. another gloft. I guess it is. Yeah, it's a gahoft, a Gorley's here out for this. A joke. Listen out for this. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's better. That, yeah, there you go. I, I'm better. just. I yeah, I missed that completely. That threw me. And I'm a guy that's good at just grabbing somebody's voice uh-huh. and doing it right there and then. But yeah. you know. Um, there is a guy, the ADR, there's an ADR on the beach at the very beginning. There's ADR. Oh, everywhere. Yeah, but there is one movie. at the very beginning that is clearly the Dr. No guy. I know. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's the same guy. <laughs> the same I guy. thought that same thing. Yeah. Get in the boat. Get in the boat, Mr. Bo- Mr. Yeah. Bond. Yeah. No, that's it truly. Yeah. That's that, like, all right. Let's go. Yeah. It's like they, they just have this guy sitting around. Why does she faint? Speaking of going back to the yeah, beach, Amanda she says no once in a very soft way. No. And then the next thing you know, he picks her up and she's like a rag doll. Are I mean, we just to think that she's maybe been drinking? She's mentally breaking down and exhausted. And she's, Did he cold cock her while we, while we weren't <laughs> well, looking? There's uh, we, dad precedent does. for that. There's a lot of woman beating in this I picture. Know. And, you know. I, when that happened, when, when Draco punches her in the face... Amanda was kind of like jokingly going like, well, they had to get her in the helicopter. I'm like, well, they've got three to four guys there. They could just pick her up and put her in. I understand the dire situation. But he's also, uh, you know, crime syndicate lord. You know what I mean? He's like, And it's 1968. So you want to. We didn't know we weren't supposed to beat women in 1968. We thought it was good for you. I could see him doing that to to his son, too. Just like. I'm sure. Cold cocking and just get like, ultimately did it for her safety. Yeah. But again, there were other guys there. Could have helped. just sure. grabbed some feet. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Another another moment that's, you know, speaking of, you know, the woman beating and all, the, the very demeaning, the demeaning of women moment for me, in, in the midst of all that fabulous rescue in the, in, in, in the ski village, he turns to her and goes, good girl. Yeah. It's like, what? You should be kissing her feet while she's trying to drive. And you give her a good girl and a peck on the cheek? Yeah. Please. <laughs> yeah. That whole derby sequence, the stunts when the cars are driving through the crowds of people, feels very real. Like like there were stunt people initially there, but there are also extras. And at some point, the extras go like, we better clear out of here. Right. It feels like... Let's. We got one take, and let's not tell anybody what we're doing, and see the how quickly they clear. The director of the Derby scene gets its own, his own credit. Really? Yeah. Huh. In the beginning. Wow, I didn't notice that. Um, let's see. I mean, it's just so hard to like sort of encompass everything in this movie because I know. It's, this is the first. I love. I love Bond's. Oh, sorry. Go no, ahead. It's right. No, I just I love Bond's willingness to go in that crowd of. Yeah, go in the derby. The people yeah. will throw them. Oh, you mean the psychopaths who are chasing you? <laughs> They're going to be concerned about the people. I don't think so. Uh, good. You know, well, I don't care about them. I'm I'm also a psychopath, but I'm a good one. I only yeah, care right. about your life, Tracy. Right. But their lives mean nothing. You know that 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 threw me a little bit. Seemed a little much of a. So he gets he gets rescued by Tracy essentially out of the situation he's in, and then he reports back to M. Yeah, and then M is like, oh, they're just gonna. Give him what he wants. Yeah. And they've still got, what, like 48 hours or yeah. something. So he goes to Draco. It is it is amazing that the day is saved by 
just a group of criminals. It's not MI6. It's Bond working with it's Bond working with his new dad. Yeah. His new his dad. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's very Fleming. It. Like because these movies got so formulaic, you don't. You know, it's it's worth going back to those books to see how different a lot of them are from each other. Like yeah. You Only Live Twice, especially, or Spy Who Loved Me. They really, you know, Fleming only followed a formula a few times. And I love. I wish I wish Fleming were here to actually talk about oh, that. God, I gotta I gotta pee again. Hey, you want, out, I gotta go pee. I gotta go pee. Uh, so there's a formula that he followed, Matt. Yeah, I just don't know what he was really thinking. Why don't you ask him? Oh, oh, oh. He, he's here, of course. It's Ian, Ian Fleming. You know, normally I come solo, but I, I've brought a friend along with me, someone who I demanded be in Casino Royal, the 1967 version, you see. I wanted him to play the villain. Really? Dude, dude, Who would that? Wait, you know what? Be... My bladder's acting. Oh yeah, go ahead. Just, I, yeah, I, get do, you have two, yeah. Does he have two bathrooms here? He, I'm gonna go check. I'm you, gonna use the second yeah, bathroom. Understood. All right. I'm just going to yeah. open the door and see if anyone's come to the threshold. Greetings, my friend. Awesome, old yes, boy. Indeed. How'd you do? Yeah. Well, old boy, I'm doing rather well. I've, I'm up in heaven where it doesn't matter what, what you weigh. You can be. <laughs> 380 pounds one day and 162 the next. And the Did they have to give you a different size angel wing to fly around all of that moss? <laughs> Not moss. I'm sorry. Mass, sorry. I'm sorry. What, what English word are you using? Moss. You know, you've, you're covered moss. in moss. Get me a jury and show me how you can say moss instead of mass and I'll go down on you. <laughs> Beef burgers, old boy. Beef burgers. Yes. Oh, right. Oh. Peas. Frozen peas. Frozen peas. I love beef your work. burgers. Gentlemen, thank you for swinging down. You're welcome. You know, I have to say... The rope also, broke when I swung down, but... Citizen uh, Kane, touch me for all that's fine and well, but I really love your work on Frozen Peas and the Transformers movies. That's when you're doing some of your best stuff. Oh, well, thank you, old boy. I, I take direction from one person under protest, but from two I don't sit still... I, I when I was working on the Transformers movie, Mr. Mr. Burr tried to direct me, and I said, faster, slower, louder, softer. That's the only direction I take. <laughs> uh, well, it's smart choice, you know. Yes. Listen to your inner voice. When, when I come back to uh, discuss the Casino Royal 67 version, I'll tell you a little story about a certain Mr. Sellers. I can't wait. I what might, a prick. I might have more disdain for him than I do for those directors of the Frozen Peas. Do you guys ever hang out together up there? I've been looking for you in heaven, it's but it seems we're in a different... I'm in steerage. Well, I'm difficult to miss, old boy. I'm so you need to I'm honestly surprised the... you're both in heaven. I am too. Pretty much anyone gets in. <laughs> All you have They've to do lowered is be the standards white and male considerably since Hitler. Yeah. Oh, it must yes. truly be heaven for you then, Mr. Fleming. Well, you know, when we died, there weren't all these restrictions and class differences and that yeah. sort of thing. You were just sort of grandfathered in, though, you Was know. Was there ever a lesbian up there? Oh, God, no. Heavens, no. I mean, yes, in a certain way. They're that's all a over in my section, dear boy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> For me, it's just scrambled eggs and Greek yogurt. Yeah. <laughs> what uh, What do you think about what's going on down on, on Earth right now? Uh, you've seen the new Star Wars movie? I have, yes, I have. <laughs> I like the part where Luke Skywalker just drinks from old Loch Ness's fourth tit. <laughs> and that really oh. happens. No! Yes, it does. Oh, God. You know, I was supposed to be Darth Vader. That's right. Yes. 
Yes. Oh, what happened? I want the. I, I don't know. Somehow or another, I, 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 I think I wasn't available. I think I was doing some sort of wine commercial that week. And Paul Masson. Yeah, Paul, Paul Masson. Vintage dated and oh. fermented in the bottle ah, like the best champagne. Ah, French. Can I ask you about <laughs> the that? French. Now, I like a little bit of a tipple or an afternoon swizzle myself, but yes. you seem completely blotthead. The director was so incompetent on this particular picture that I was on this particular shoot that I was his fault, I was huh? constantly, you know, doing retakes, and the poor young couple in the scene were absolutely terrified that uh, they'd pour one more wine and it would be a wine well past its time. But uh, not to bandy about with I conflict, had, old boy. But I remember some early takes where you were looking. I don't know, three to four to five to ten sheets to the wind. Yeah, the French. <laughs> Champagne has long been celebrated. You mean that one? <laughs> that has a ring to it. For its excellence, there is a California champagne inspired by that. Like, the, and, and the finger was... Oh. Oh, I, I almost broke my finger on the bottle of wine. Ah. It's my favorite internet funny of all time, indeed, I have to say. Indeed. You guys are up there just watching YouTube clips. That's, That's it. Star Wars Kid, one of my favorites. <laughs> Let's, here was my audition. Bring me the passengers. I want them alive. Oh. If this is a councillorship, then where is the ambassador? Would you have also played Eat him? James Earl Jones. Would you have played him in the suit? I would have loved to have seen that. <laughs> 1977. Oh, yes. Wells yes, always. Always having a fillet mignon off to the side, ready to take down. <laughs> They build the uh, mask so that part of it lifts. Sticks so <laughs> take it. Oh, no. oh man, nice bathroom. That's that second bathroom oh, you have. It's a beautiful. You're not bathroom. gonna believe this, Why? but Orson Welles was here. He came what? down. He swung down. Oh from come heaven. on. No, Matt. What? Ian Fleming was also oh, no here. way. No, See, I don't even believe. No way. These. No. I don't even. Guys, believe these you things. have to understand that I am just sitting here. You both go to the bathroom. Ian Fleming slides in, then Orson Welles swings in. The reason I don't believe this is because you're always left behind, and and all we have is your account of this, and it's never no, been no, corroborated. Guys, if you'd ever just listen to the podcast, no, I'm you'd not hear these do moments. that. I understand. Uh, we already know what we said. Yeah, you know, it's why just, would we listen? I, I've got too much ADD for that. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, well, it was a treat, guys, and the listeners I think enjoyed it, and uh, thank you both for yeah. being. Of course, uh, you're out of soap. Okay, in the, in the second bathroom. Thank you. Just right. tell Amanda. I'll pick some up. What? what? Did you hear that? What Matt, was that? Did you hear that? No. What was that? I didn't hear that. I I yawned, and you know how sometimes when you yawn, your ears shut up for just a little bit? <laughs> Hang on. What? Your ears shut up? <laughs> shut up. I close up. Shut up. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> My ears shut up. Shut up your ears. Oh, uh, uh, boy. Guys, we're having fun here. All right. Well, let's, Secret let's, Service. let's close in on this here and get our final thoughts on, on Her Majesty's Secret Service. It... Uh, Anything else we need to cover specifically before we do our general closing thoughts? I just want to say that if I'm ever lucky enough, and again, I'm, I'm a little, getting a little uh, on for this type of thing, for an on-camera career, but if I ever am lucky enough to be in a picture where I have to shoot up a bunch of mofos, mm-hmm. I want to do it on my stomach, oh, sliding along. Being dragged a by big a cable. sheet of glass. Yeah. That that scene uh, that when I was eleven and I last know. night I was like oh that's the because the music's blazing oh my god just I, to, oh, he's god. able to keep his aim yeah. and be a bobsled a human bobsled this is the best James Bond climax scene it's good yeah. this it's is really the best like yeah. no really it is in the sense of like yeah you're 
not only is he um, going to stop his arch enemy, but he's also going to rescue his lady love. His yeah, love. His he's, and she, he's bringing along her dad. Yeah. And on top of that, like I love the moment. I love Diana Riggs' face when she hears the the radio call. Yeah. And it's she knows it's her father. And she joins the scheme. Like, yeah, she joins. She does her part. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's it's just it's terrific. And you know the shot of those three helicopters coming oh, in, yeah. and then them opening oh, fire. That's so good. And then the whole team rigging the whole that's place great. to blow up. Ah, a man and I are talking about going there f- next year, going to the Alps and going to Pitts Gloria specifically. And when when the scene where Bond slides on his stomach, I went you know I'm going to do this, right? Like, whatever. If I, even if I, I have to bring you, a skateboard. you're going to get to do that. Oh, you, God. I, it, someone sent pictures of that place. It looks amazing. Yeah. It's still there. Yeah. And they've, they've done a whole Bond thing with it. It's oh. like a Bond museum. Oh, now. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. When are you going? Um, we're talking about maybe as an anniversary trip in May or June. Oh, man. It's probably a good time to go. Yeah. It's snowy, right, still? I think in May there might be some snow left, yeah. And those two little villages below, like, they're two separate villages. The ice skating village and mm-hmm. the derby village are, like, Murren and Grimwald or something like that. I can't remember. But Man. those are all there, too. Yeah, I love... What are you going to do if there isn't enough ice for you to slide on your belly? I'll bring a skateboard. Yeah, will you? Or okay. I'll throw down some vegetable oil, whatever it takes. I don't care. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, so my favorite closeout, my favorite climax to a bond movie yeah is I think this that maybe mine is this too. storming of the castle as yeah. it were uh and then you know it ends with the wedding yeah i love that it, there's a scene at the wedding where q's giving advice to bond and i half expect him to like give him a gadget but it's like a marital aid or something yeah, right it's like there that we work on some other things there as well you go, if she's unsatisfied just place this in her what <laughs> <laughs> yeah this, this is actually a. It, it looks like my hand, but it's that's so it can fit over your hand and it vibrates, which my hand could. Do grow up four <laughs> times seven. over. Yes, uh, this oh, is we... a, a self-actuating condom rubber. <laughs> what's the uh, What's the score on this? Goldeneye minus. I, his Goldeneye hands, plus? I think maybe it's the uh, the cold mm-hmm. and the altitude. Mm-hmm. This is a gold five. Gold, Goldeneye minus five point five. His hands are wow. relatively small. These for, might be the smallest hands still, have been. Oh yeah, still largening. Yes. As we go along. Yeah. I noticed that only relatively yeah. small. The yeah. embiggening of the hands. Yes. Yeah. Now, uh, let's talk about the last moment of the movie. I suppose. Yeah, we'll close out on. Oh boy, this got me. This is the first time I've watched this yeah. movie. Married. I got a text from Matt yeah. saying he cried. I did. I cried at the end of this movie, and this is that. And I and I decided on my own that this was because it was the first time I'd watched the movie since having gotten married. Me too, but I didn't cry. What does that say? It says that you're heartless. I guess it does. Or that you have seen it more than I have and mm-hmm. really didn't let the emotion resonate with you. Yeah. Um, but it is so, you know, it's so heartbreaking. It's so sweet. The two of them, you're really rooting for those guys. And uh, just what a, what, a, what a way to go out. What a way for James Bond's wife to go out. Also, the, the bigger tragedy for me is that the real reason she's killed happens to be because they're pulled over it's an easy shot but he pulls over solely because he doesn't want to look like a flower ad do you know because those kids drive by and go say it with flowers, say it with he flowers. Goes, he's right we those do young hippies like so he's taking the flowers off that's the important thing he had to do mm. Mm. he let his guard down for just just a second and 
I thought he played it really well. I know that they said, I, I remember reading that Lazenby said, we did a take yeah. with tears. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see that. And, and yeah, it would have been an interesting outtake. He said he just, it just, they felt the audience wouldn't buy Bond with a tear in his eye. Right. And it's funny, all the people that die around James Bond, there's only one other time where they did play it with tears in his eyes. And it's one thing, it's one thing that really uh, warmed me to Dalton. After, um, I can't remember the character's name, but the the sort of tight-assed uh, head of section. Uh, oh, Saunders. Saunders. Yeah. When Saunders is killed, he comes up from that and he looks angry. Yeah. And but when he finally, you know, manages to, he tries to chase down the assassin and loses him. He turns and and um, Olivia Dabo's there, and he's red-eyed. Mm. You can tell that it affected him to have lost Saunders. It's the only other time we've mm. seen Bond affected by a death. Obviously not as, as much as this, yeah. but I like the idea that Bond could maybe shed a tear for another human he being. He cries for M in Skyfall. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. I oh, like that's it true. Too. Yeah, I like it too. I, I would love to see the take of Yeah, the Lazen take B of Lazenby. Or maybe yeah. Lazenby, I don't know, maybe couldn't get the tears convincing. I mean, they just, yeah, I wonder. They just put some glycerin in your right. eyes and there you go. But... I, I think I just like his head buried in, in yeah. and the tenderness with which he touches her. Yeah. And and it was really, really a, a, a sad, heartbreaking, but beautiful moment. I find myself touched by it until he starts speaking, because I, I feel there's just still an element where Lazenby doesn't believe, because he's kind of doing this sweet, poetic denial that she's dead, and I, I'm missing some connection with him to it or something. That's why I wonder if that take is closer and then it ends so abruptly that it takes me out well yeah it. because they have the all the time in the world i mean maybe my favorite bond song of yeah all. So i good. love that i watched it with with subtitles this is man singing as and i wanted to scream at the the tv uh, man man yeah. singing it's louis friggin armstrong you exactly. idiots, for christ's sake but they they come out of i would have stayed on just one more verse of yeah. all the time in the yeah. world before Bashing in with ba-da, ba-da. And it seemed a little frivolous. that vista yeah. or something, yeah. Yeah, it was, that's Ooh. the one thing. It jarred me when I was 11. It jarred me last night. Yeah. But wow, you certainly get why he's on that mission. And that's part of why I would have liked to see Lazen exactly. be at yeah. Diamonds. I know. Because that bond has got ball, a reason yeah. to go after yeah. Blofeld. Yeah. yeah, agreed. Boy. Well, let's rate this thing, huh? Uh, out of 007, from wow. the 00 double, no, 00. To 007. Yeah. Where do you rate on Her Majesty's Secret Service? Ooh. This is tough. I'm going to go 006.5. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I got to be right there with you. Okay. 006 and a half. Maurice, I I got to take it down to a double oh six, just because, you know, Goldfinger, and yeah. I, you know, it's it's, but it's pretty damn close. I mean, that's that's really it's really well executed, and just, but for a couple of less than terrific moments, the with, with where Lazenby's a little wooden, the moments where he really has to play the emotion, like the high the high marks for that extremely vulnerable scene. 
Uh, it gives it, yeah, double a six for me. It just occurred to me, I would love to be able to see this movie with like the sound from the day, not the ADR, because I wonder how much of his woodenness is the, in the studio doing ADR, because mm. so much of his stuff is ADR'd. Yeah. That's interesting. Well, he probably had to do that for the accent, uh, you know? Yeah, you know, he probably was like, like clearly the beach stuff. Well, first of all, you right. got the sound of the ocean, right? You know, and if they've intercut, you're gonna you know, have like hard cuts on the on the wave sound. But, but you know, it may have been that he was standing over, going, "Good morning, my name's Bond, James Bond." You know, I was <laughs> yeah. like, "No, yeah. all right, we'll fix it in post." Oh, Martini, yeah. yeah. Uh, wow. Well, Matt, you get to choose the next film. Yeah, I think it's only natural, Matt, that we. Uh, oh, only natural. I'm trying to. Let's just fucking bookend this, and uh, we're going diamonds are forever for the Ooh. next one. Oh, nice. that's exciting. That's exciting. <laughs> okay. Truly um, exciting. Diamonds are forever. I can't wait to see Vegas Connery, Willard White, and that and and, and <laughs> Winton Kid. Oh yeah. Tiffany oh. Case, Plenty O'Toole, Bambi and Thumper. Uh, living together Q breaking the law right just rigging right. that slot machine to keep winning uh, although he doesn't take and the, the elevator fight and the elevator in that fight. slow oh, yeah, slow yeah. fucking elevator yeah that's right yeah oh. Amsterdam elevator that'll fight. be fun really looking forward to it uh Maurice, thank you so much. Thank you guys for, for having on our program. I, I had a great time. We'll do it again. We look forward okay. to your return in 2018, once you're out of Canada, <laughs> uh, <laughs> where we'll tackle that weird movie I've never seen. It completes it. You know, you've gone outside the canon for Never Say Never Again. Yeah, sure. I think Casino Royal 67 yeah. will bring in every cinematic yeah. version of Bond, and I think that's... Yeah. Matt, one thing I want to do before we close out, so as you know, you and I are now James Bond canon because we are yes. in Ibrahim Mustafa's brilliant one-shot comic, Solstice. We are pictured in a, a scene where uh, we are in the background of an audience there. Ibrahim has sent to us the original page, and how you and I are going to even decide who gets this divvy thing. this up? We just do shared custody or what? I don't know, but look how beautiful that is. There oh we are. And um, if again, if you haven't checked out his artwork, the art of Ibrahim Mustafa, it's so great. He did the prints for all the films and beautiful. That's beautiful. truly amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that is brilliant. Oh wow! Brilliant. We got to figure that so, out. All right, so it's your house Mondays and Tuesdays, yes. his house Wednesdays and Thursdays, yeah. and then you share alternating well, weekends. Well, I mean, so. I really guess the only thing to do is to get Abraham to write a, another book and have us and in have us in well. another one. Yeah. That way, we can each have the page. And while you're at it, just make us the main character. Yeah, <laughs> I don't understand why you're not. Ma- at least make us Winton Kid of whatever book you're writing. That's right. Oh, please. <laughs> please. Oh, God. Oh, well, thank you, Maurice. Thank it was you, a pleasure. It was great. James Bonding. We'll return. Er, ner, 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 ner. You have to make that match up now. <laughs> Just a reminder to check out Dr. Game Show on Earwolf. If you want to know what the show is, go back and listen to the first ad. All you have to do to hear it is listen and subscribe to Dr. Game Show on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are sold. And follow your Dr. Game Show and your Facebook and Twitter so you can participate when they record episodes. It's the last ad. Yeah, it's, but it's Christmas. You know what? I like a podcast where you got to put in work to listen. That's how you know it's real. This has been an Earwolf production. Executive produced by Scott Ackerman, Chris Bannon, and Colin Anderson. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. 
Hey, this is Arnie Niekamp from the Improv Fantasy Podcast. Hello from the Magic Tavern. I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago into the magical land of Foon, and I started a podcast. Season three has just begun with a brand new adventure to defeat the Dark Lord. If you're a new listener or you've fallen behind, season three is a great jumping on point. And we've got great guests like Justin McElroy. I sound like a fancy college professor. Eight nights. <laughs> Rachel Bloom. You all see my collection of men corpses and one woman. Felicia Day and Colton Dunn. You've seen <coughs> me have intercourse with a variety of species. It's a bummer. Andy Daly. You have the members of Genesis listed, but Phil Collins yeah. has crossed out and then circled and crossed out again. Uh, yes, I have killed Phil Collins twice. Thomas Middleditch. <laughs> Oh, Jesus! I mean, Jazos! <laughs> ruler of the Eighth Circle! And that's just the beginning. Season 3 of Hello from the Magic Tavern is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Megan Rinks. And I'm Melissa D. Motts. And like every other person with access to a microphone, we started a podcast. On Mondays, we release Don't Blame Me, which is an advice podcast where listeners call in and we share our thoughts on situations such as what to do if you're going to your boyfriend's family function and you haven't told him that you previously slept with both his twin brothers. Then on Thursdays, we release our podcast, But Am I Wrong?, where we ethically gossip about pop culture, politics, our lives, and your lives. Listeners write in and we tell them if they're wrong or right in a situation. Are you the hero or the villain? On Tuesdays and Fridays, we throw in a little something extra as well. Well, something, something. We strive to create a community grounded in activism, mental health, and inclusivity. Think of us as like your blunt, honest friends who give you advice that you need to hear, not what you want to hear. But we're also always rooting for your success. What we lack in credentials, we make up for in... Opinions. We do that in every episode, too. (laughs) (laughs) We're professional unprofessional, so if you're looking for a new slate of podcasts to add to your routine, we're here for you. ACAST recommends. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.